Welcome to the Europe is Coming podcast, taking you inside the minds of Europe's best CrossFit athletes and the people behind them. Hi everyone, my name is Vicky McLeod. This is the Europe is Coming podcast. This time up we've got a chat with athlete Christoph Horvat, which was recorded back in October. Christoph speaks about his childhood, growing up in Hungary with his fit family, how he and his little sister Laura got into CrossFit, that first CrossFit Games experience, how he manages to support his girlfriend Gabriella whilst keeping focus on his own goals, and a lot more. So let's get to it. Welcome, Christoph Horvat. How do I do? Horvat. See, I can, I'm going to get them all down. Okay. European surnames are much harder than you think. Where are you from? Hungary. And where in, and you, you were born and brought up there? Yeah, yeah, in the, um, in the capital, Budapest. Oh, lovely. I, I've heard it's a really nice city to visit. Yeah, it's a nice city to visit. Uh, we grew up in the, in the suburbs, so not deep in the heart of the city, but it, it's, a, it's a nice place, yeah. When you grow up there, it's, I don't know, it's like, you're not looking at it like uh, it's a nice city. Yeah, like, I know. I grew yeah, up in London. Everyone gets excited about that too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's too busy for me. Budapest is also too busy for me. Really? It's, it's a nice place, but yeah. You're a bit too chill for that. You yeah, want to be in the, in the country. I don't need the Russian mother. Yeah. Is it intense then? In Budapest? Yeah. No, it's not in. It's not particularly intense, but every big city is intense. You know, I just even. Uh, Having rush hour and the public transport is intense. I don't need that. I don't like that. So, yeah. so what's your what's your ideal living conditions? Ideal. <laughs> right now, here. If I say where are we as far away from anyone or anything as possible, <laughs> I think it's a little bit too ignorant. Uh, no, we we uh, even in Palma, we used to live in the the edge of Santa Catalina, mm. so by the tennis club. Oh yeah, and it was it was nice. It wasn't bad, but. We were not going out every evening, you know, every every two weeks or every every weekend. Sometimes we go out for a coffee or maybe sometimes for dinner, but um, it was just too much happening. Mm. You know, I I don't mind if I walk outside of the house and I don't see people straight away. And um, we moved a little bit outside of Palma now, and it's much calmer. It's nicer. Of course, I will on this island when it's tourist season. They are everywhere. Oh my gosh. Which is okay. It's good for the island. It's important for the it's important for the economy. Yeah. But I'm so glad when they go home again. Yeah, I agree. Right. I don't know how many nice things. Obviously, there was a lot of negative things with COVID, but one positive in some sense, and I know it's controversial because the island needs the tourist. It was a like seeing the island without the tourists. Mm. It was actually kind of special. Yeah, we know? were lucky last year in that like respect. Reviving the island as well a little bit. Just remember driving on the highway, like it was like towards the end of lockdown, and then we were just the only car on the highway. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, a giant peacock was sitting in the middle. <laughs> yeah, really. Like on the highway, where you know it's it's busy usually, cars go one twenty or over a hundred kilometers an hour, and uh, it was just an odd thing to see. A peacock. Yeah. Hanging just, out. Yeah, on the highway. It's pretty strange. Well, anyways, <laughs> anyways, 
So but I, I guess if you you wouldn't see a giant peacock in the middle of Budapest, so yeah. Unless it's escaped from the zoo. Or something. <laughs> it's an art installation. Mm. So you you grew up in Hungary with your 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 mum and dad. Yeah. And your sister. You have any other siblings? I have a younger brother as well. So we have three. So where are you in the lineup? I'm the oldest. You're the big brother. My sister is a middle child, and my brother is the oldest, uh, youngest. I mean, you a sporty family. Yes. Yeah? yeah. I think so. I think so. But both parents are PE teachers by trade, and um, we, we sort of grew up in a bubble. So, meaning that where we lived, where my school, where my school was, and where my parents worked, everything was within like a um, fifty-minute walk radius. So mm. we just cycled, you know, to school, back from school, and then my parents, um, they did teach, they used to teach the school where we were going, all three of us. Um, uh, but then they, once I started to go there, they switched to another school that has a bigger gym, because my father wanted to build a his first love, or his, one of his, one of many of his passions was rock climbing. So he needed a big enough space where he could build, gradually start building the, the climbing call. Mm. So in that gym space, we were introduced to a variety of sports, like from, from rock climbing through, um, through basketball, uh, badminton, um, so all kinds. I love badminton. Yeah, it's fun. What a fun game. It's, it's a fun game. Yeah, quick yeah. and pretty brutal. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite quick. Yeah. So, so that was nice. And then, yeah, long story short, um, in the summer, our life was always, um, how should I say this? It was, it was never really family holidays, but because my parents were uh, active teachers, there was always, you know, a uh, uh, ski break in the, in the autumn or in the winter where they would organize the school ski trip. Right, mm-hmm. so it would go with, so you'd go with 150 them. other kids. Okay. Yes. And in the summer, we would have uh, like camps for the kids. So it would be all all ages, you know, from like, um, I don't know where you can go from like um, third grade or something. And then we went uh, kayaking and canoeing with them. And then we were going uh, on a bike trip or, or yeah. it was always something happening that they organized and we were always going with them. So it was always at least... 30 other kids around us, uh, like a class or something. Yeah. And then and then we always just bounce from like one of these sport camps to the other Did one. you have that thing where because you're the son of the teacher, you yeah. were kind of singled out in some no, way? It's not singled out, but it's a, but thinking back, it's a, it's a tough dynamic a little bit yeah. for a kid. Definitely. Least, you know? Because you're, you want to hang out with the kids. You want to be, uh, how do you say this? Like, you don't want to be the good one. No. Or if there's trouble, you want to be there. <laughs> but you can't. You can't really be there, right? Because the other kids know that you're the son of the teacher, and uh, and you always you also feel like you have to have that sense of responsibility mm. towards. So it's a tricky one. But it's also interesting because most of the time it was always younger kids than us. So very early on, we were given responsibilities that we didn't know. Like, my parents were very good at that. You know, as a, when we were younger, the responsibilities were smaller. And as we were growing up, it was bigger and bigger and bigger. So we sort of grew into this, um, yeah, like, not an organizer of the camp, but like, 
the right hand of the feature. Like the, the one of the most vivid memories is very early on because we spent so that's another one. We were going to a very um, um, do, do, do you know Rudolf Steiner? Yeah, yeah, the the, the, the Waldorf, type of teaching, Waldorf yeah. School. Yeah, so we were all three of us were going there, mm -hmm. right? So it's a very um, artistic, artistic school, yeah, creative, and a creative school. It encourages yeah, kids exactly, to be exactly. So one of the good things, obviously, there was many good things that came from there, but they were very um, easy, letting us go from school for longer periods of time. And we weren't homeschooled, but we were given tasks that we could do. So what I'm trying to say here is that one of the reasons why we were away from school during the winter is because we spend many, many days on snow, right? It could go all, all the way up to like 40 to 50 days, like missing that much of school, Whoa. right? Like a lot of- You lucky boy. Yeah, so we did, we did ski a lot. We spent a lot of time in Austria, in Germany, in France, in Italy. And then my mom and my dad grew from just having school trips for their local school, to then our school, to then other schools. So it was like, and the schools were staggering their um, ski breaks. So we were literally just like going from one ski resort to another when the bus was coming and the bus was coming. Oh so, so very early on, because I was the oldest then, I have gotten responsibilities and then taking care of the kids and then eventually teaching them and then my sister and my brother. So very early on, I think I was maybe 17, 16 years old when I had my first, um, when I passed my first um, skiing truck. So that's the, the, the entry is, I think it's 16 years of age. 16. And then, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so by then we were, we were very comfortable with skis and snowboards, right? So my father was pushing me to uh, take my instructor license, ski instructor license. So I, I took the first stage and the second stage. And there are many stages there. So the original idea was for me, and it was something that, it's sort of like uh, something burning cohesion with my, maybe my father's idea of what I should be. And uh, mm -hmm. what I was practicing is that I become a, a ski, instructor, ski instructor, it's a difficult word. And then I was about to go to Austria to study there. And then the idea was because we were we were so around this um, we were so around of so many instructors and the ski schools and everyone I really looked up to those guys and girls that are essentially traveling in the winter, mm. right? And then uh, like that's the they go to yeah, 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 yeah. They go to they go to New Zealand when it's summertime here, or they go to Chile or and then, yeah. you know, it, there's always a little bit of snow somewhere. So Nomads. It was very it was very appealing at times, yeah. So so we did do a lot of sports, I guess. So how old were you when you left school? When you even did they notice you left? <laughs> no, they did. They did because my father used to teach that they were very easygoing with him. But hindsight, for probably for our, our how do you say this for for our education, your school, academic for education. my academic education yeah. in school, it was, that, it was not so good. Well, thank God you're strong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you're a natural teacher, aren't you, as well? I mean, you've grown up in that environment, it, like being, mm, being not a, a coach. Not a natural one, but I was around a lot of teachers. Okay. Yeah, so you do pick up a lot of things, right? It's like monkey see, monkey do. Yeah. And then I did learn a lot of valuable skills from my parents, for sure, and being around teachers. And then 
obviously their friendship is all their university friends so it's all PE teachers and biology mm. teachers so it's always educators and then being around them is yeah it's cool so you what do you think makes a good teacher or a good coach it's a deep question oh I need to think about this I don't know if there are universal rules but I think it's also it's all the so depends what you are teaching are you teaching um, very young kids, right? Because um, it requires different skills. Or are you teaching someone, adults or, or young adults? Or I think I, I've, I've always been around younger kids. So I think the fun component is very important. What would you say is a younger kid? What age range is that? It's either six to 12, maybe. Yeah. Then, yeah. Because excited and not being able to listen are two things that I think of when you say six to twelve. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. yeah. It's very hard to keep their attention. I think it's also something very interesting to see first, and I'll come back to your question, but uh, kids today and kids ten years ago, yeah, it's, uh, because my parents still actively work in the climbing call, seeing the evolution of a 12 years old in 2020 or 2021 and seeing a 10 years old 10 years ago mm-hmm. you don't really you, you don't recognize what's them, the differences you know. uh, to be honest uh, it may be controversial but it's the parents as well Ooh, yeah. now we're getting Deep. I think that <laughs> it's not that we are getting deep, but growing up in our families, um, you know, when they say um, our family runs a family business, and yeah. then let's say the father has like um, whatever construction business, mm-hmm. and then his father had it and all that kind of stuff. So you inherit the business. Now we also had a family business, but it also meant that from a very young age, we were partaking in the business. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to say that it was black labor, but we were. Once school was over, we were going to the climbing club and climbing club, helping our parents. So we did see the difference, and we we do see the kids. And as you grow older, you recognize that there is a there is a difference in that. So I think part of it is that we're living in a busier and busier and busier life. Mm-hmm. No one has time, not just for their kids, not just for their friends, but not for themselves either, right? But this one is an other subject within the the ADHD subject, right? I think today, teachers, psychiatrists, or whoever professionals, or or just uneducated parents in the matter, they jump to a conclusion very quickly that to put the kids into some kind of bracket, right? To to label them. Well, well, he has learning problems, or he has a speech problem, or he he has an energy problem. So very quickly, they try to isolate these patterns and they try to treat it somehow, yeah. right? And box the kids in. Mm-hmm. And this being one of the the reason why it's difficult to be a kid now, and it's difficult from a teacher's perspective to teach them anything or to keep them entertained, right? And the other problem is that because the parents aren't spending time with them, the kids become sort of independent from the parent in an interesting way that they often given a tablet, a phone, yeah. watching TV, right? And then I think the, uh, 
how do you say this in English? Like the stimulus, like the uh, what you get from a TV, what you get from a tablet. Everything is so vivid, so colorful. The um, the um, how do you say? You are stimulated in a way where you are not stimulated, let's say, in a, in a soccer practice, mm. right? In a different way. What one is very physical, where you where you also need that body mind connection, and the other one always being stimulated through some Your kind eyes. of screen. Yeah. Then the brain is getting a very and obviously I have I'm not expert at all and I don't know what I'm talking about. What I'm just saying is that it's very difficult to entertain kids today. And entertaining I'm not I don't mean by making sure that they have a good time, but teaching them, educating them is very, very difficult today because of many, many components. So yeah, very off subject. Let no, it's interesting, Christoph. And also, I agree with you. And I think that's one reason why we should be encouraging parents and families and children to get together and do more activities together. 100%. Hiking or swimming in the sea. or I mean, like all the things we have in Mallorca, biking, yeah. doing all the cool stuff outside. I think that families here, mm. they have a lot of opportunities. Maybe not so many in big cities like Budapest or London. Yeah. But we do have those opportunities here. I think most of the time the parents are so exhausted by their career and so exhausted themselves within work that taking care of or, or spending time with the kids, they look at it as something that is uh, taking even more energy from them mm. instead of giving them that energy boost. Right. Instead of making it a priority. Yeah, it looks like it feels more like hard work rather than something that you should enjoy and at the end of the day it's their duty to uh, educate the child and so just going back to sports in that the, the regard i think that's why it's so important that kids are put into an environment from a young age and i'm not just trying to advocate for sports here because we we also had to learn languages very young we also had to choose an instrument that we were playing very young all three of us what do you play so i, st I started with the flute Right, the and then I play the French horn for a little bit. Yeah. It's, it's it's giant. It's it's tough to carry it around. Yeah, 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 yeah. What do your brother and sister play? My sister play the piano, and um, my brother still he's he's sort of like the black sheep in the family. He's um he's playing the guitar, and today he's producing music, and he has a band. And what's, he, he, what's his he's band playing? Oh, it's all this changing. Oh, so, okay. <laughs> yeah, but he's, he's really into like jazz music. And so uh, that's what he studies as well. Okay, well then it, it was, worth, was really worth him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was worth it. Yeah. But the flute and the French horn don't seem, we don't see those come out very often. We were, we were young. <laughs> Maybe had to. Yeah, my mother was very uh, particular about that. So what happens to get you into CrossFit? How did you go from ski instructor at 16 to CrossFit? I don't know if it's safe to say that it's natural for every boy at that age, but I was around 17 to 18 years old. And I was, uh, was always a little bit bigger, chubby, if you will, mm -hmm. like, like a well-fed uh, child. And I, I, just, I just wanted to get into shape. Right, I just I just wanted to be noticed by the girls. I okay. wanted to feel better about myself. I wanted to have the confidence to um, take off my T-shirt in the summer, stuff like this. You know, we just had the 
sports channel playing at home. And then it was in 2013, 2013. Mm-hmm. Eurosports was on, um, the European regionals was on at a time. And, uh, and it was just something exciting, you know, it's like out of the ordinary CrossFit. So, um, so we, so we slowly started or I started slowly and, and we did it or I did it with a friend who also wanted to get into shape at, the, at my parents' climbing club. And then it slowly, gradually grew from there. Did you have a, a CrossFit hero, somebody that you looked up to? I think like Rich Froning is for everyone. Yeah. As soon as you Google, his name comes up. Like I was, I was very intrigued by the now OGs, the Jason Kalipas, the Chris Beelers, the... Uh, the Matt Chance, there's, uh, I think at that time, and you're so new to CrossFit, it's like, um, it's like a honeymoon period. You see all the videos on YouTube, you mm. try to Google everyone, you see what they're doing, analyzing, all that kind of stuff. So we're slowly leaping into a new era of CrossFit, but those guys were really the front runners of CrossFit. And, uh, yeah. What would you say about um, the... The way that you developed in CrossFit, and you, how old were you? So you were six, 17, 18 when you yeah. began, and so like you've been doing CrossFit for a decade then now. So you're twenty eight. Yeah, a long time. Well, when did you start to feel like you would like to try to compete? Well, I wanted to. It was very quickly on once once we started doing the workouts, and it was quickly becoming from this bodybuilding mentality to just because the nature of, of the family and the sports we were playing came uh, a race between friends and between my sister and all that kind of stuff. So, so the racing or, 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 or competing for time really quickly took over. Mm-hmm. So we were, it was like gradual, natural. We, we just found our transition that we found ourselves in racing within CrossFit. So we wanted to compete very early on where my sister had a very successful career very early on. I didn't quite find that success for a while in the beginning. Did she start at the same time that you started? Yeah, did she you did. inspire her to start? Yeah, she just seen what I was doing and then and then she started as well and then it was very annoying for a young for an older brother that your sister comes in and then she It's goes, annoying. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Of course. You were like, This is mine. When you're seventeen years old, the last person you want to spend time with is your fifteen um, year old sister. Anyways, so she was joining in. It's not just she was joining in, but she was better at certain things and she was very good at certain things. So it's uh, hard for the ego. Yeah, mate. What what can she beat you at now? Now? Today? Yeah. She can beat me a lot of things. Uh-oh. No, we haven't raced against each other in a while. So... Let's talk about Laura because that's mm. I mean, that's a natural place for us to talk about. Yeah, the second fittest woman in the world. Mm. I mean, when she first started, fifteen years old, you're seventeen. Which gym did you go to? How did you progress? What was going on? Yeah, so give it to me. It's not for me to take credit here, but just so you see the, the timeline is that is that we started in the in the parents' um climbing car and there was like a little bodybuilding gym up there so we got access to weights and, and, mm. and then yeah weights and then very quickly you know when you when you google the old school crossfit there were like 
tires and you bang it on it with a hammer yeah. and all the kind of stuff. So very quickly our backyard at home, although it was big, it started to get filled up with like dumbbells, tires, uh, pull-up bar, all that really? kind of stuff. So, so we were we were around still in our bubble, right, at the gym, at home, and then we were working out there. Now close to us, there was no CrossFit boxes really, mm. although Budapest had a couple at a time. We wanted to do a qualifier for a company. At the time, it was called Central European Throwdown. It was in Slovakia. And uh, it was the closest to us. It was the biggest to us. And it was also felt like it was like a, not too far away. We could drive if we mm. wanted right? So the Google CrossFit gyms in the area, the closest to us was uh, a place called Riva CrossFit Duna. It was, it was close to the, well, it was actually in the middle of the river Danube. That is slicing Buda and past in hell, right? And there's a, there's a, there's an island in the middle. They also have the. Uh, oh, cool. Yes, it's really cool. <laughs> it's really really cool. Uh, they also have maybe heard about it, the Seaget Festival. It's yes. becoming yeah. Yes. So it's on the same yes. island. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Right. Exactly, exactly. So. Oh, great so, place for a gym. Yeah, so one of these docks was used kind as a. Inaccessible, but What was used as a gym? So we did reach out to the owner, who happened to be a Danish guy. Right? And then he let us come and then we paid a certain fee and we were doing the three or four, however many uh, qualifier workouts there. Laura ended up qualifying, ended up not qualifying, but it was great to go there because through these qualifiers, these four weeks, we also stayed sometimes, we jumped into a couple of classes, we started to form this relationship with the gym and its members and the mm-hmm. owner. And so slowly we found this place and, and some way it was a very bad time for my graduation from high school because I just get more and more sucked into CrossFit. Yeah. And then, you know, the this gym was sliding. also far away from <laughs> far away from school. Exactly. Exactly. So Laura and I started to go there three times a week and then eventually four times a week. And then you know, all of a sudden there was even a point when I was I was later on, a couple of years later when I was also coaching that I even lived in the box. So we really had a, a great relationship with Riva CrossFit Duna, that's where our CrossFit group is the first introduction to a gym. And it was amazing for both of us because Klaus, his name is, uh, he still owns the place. He created a space and a gym within Budapest that was again, a little bit, not isolated, but it was it was different because it was all foreigners there, right? I, I don't remember what the ratio was, but, there was more foreigners than Hungarian. So it wasn't just great for our CrossFit, but it was also great for our English, right? We're all of a sudden not just socializing yeah, with Hungarians, mm-hmm. but we were meeting with Norwegians, with Danish, with, with, with German, with, with all kind of, all kind of um, citizens of Europe and the world, essentially. So maybe now looking back, we can also say that it also had a big impact on our life and our thinking as well. And then by the time I think I spoke quite okay English, but for my sister, that's where she really learned. Mm-hmm. Right? She she used to be a very shy girl, and then she had to start to socialize. And then uh, we were there for a, for a good bunch of years. Shout out to Klaus. Then. Shout out to Klaus. Thank yes. you, Klaus. Yes. Because yes. you so, he's, he's, made some amazing people. Yes. Yeah. It was a great gym. We still have friends in that place to today we always think back of it fondly and uh, 
yeah, just a very good times. Mm. It was it was like a, a locked thing a little bit, right? The yeah. Location of the place and, and the people there, and we just happened to go, and then also for him, we weren't in the financial situation that we were able to pay for a for a membership there, right? So we got discounts there, and, and he was and being then, good to you. And then he was very good to us, and then he always helped out with like. Uh, shoes and shirts oh, and wow. like, like these kind of things he was he was he very much helping us a lot of potential in the two of you maybe he did but i also think that he's just uh he's just a kind person he's a he's a nice person and i would like to believe he would have done it for anybody else mm -hmm. so so yeah we were very lucky to have him you were yeah. that's a lovely <laughs> yeah. story no 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 it is it is a very nice story yeah so from the um the progression for Laura, you've watched her go through the various stages to get to the game. Yeah, it was like... It, was that difficult from your point of view? No, no, it wasn't difficult. So it, it was an interesting one, right? Because when, when the clock hits three, two, one, go, then we were trying to beat one another in a workout. Mm. But we were always... From a very young age, going through the the parents' camp and all the kind of stuff, uh, we were always very close, also with my brother. So what I'm I was trying to say is that because we were coaching from a very young age as well, we were we were we were uh, part of our parents' educational camps and all that kind of stuff, and they took the kids. I think it, it came very natural to us to try to help one another, mm -hmm. right? So, with Laura, was very interested in CrossFit just purely from a competitive. Uh, side at that point, I was very early, very interested on educating myself how to do a snatch, how to do a clean and jerk, how to get better at this. What are the progressions like, right? So I was very keen on helping not just her but anybody else, right? And then and then trying to become a better coach myself as well, not just an athlete. So it was. I always I was happy to spend time, although at the time. I I didn't know what I was talking about, but tried to figure out how, how to make her snatch better or how to get her first muscle up. And I was I was there at all those points, right? And ever she snatched her first 40 kilograms, when then she got her first muscle up, when she got her first skipping pull-up, like all that kind of stuff. Like I was there and big I was moments. helping her. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I was there big moments within CrossFit. And it was it all happened at CrossFit Duna, ironically, which is which is nice. So there's no is sometimes it comes up. Some some people dares to ask, some doesn't. There's no jealousy, mm. right? We we always, I think, family is is, is the most important or part of my life and most people's life, and there is no different. Uh, I'm very happy for my my brother's success within music. I'm very very proud of my sister's success within CrossFit, and then there is no um, no jealousy or animosity there. Yeah, if she wouldn't do as well, it wouldn't be better for me, mm, right? Yeah. Just because she does well, it's not better for me, you know. It's 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 great for me because she's happy and then she's pursuing her goals. And then if she would do something different, then I would support her or support my brother the same way, right? So it's just funny enough we found the same thing. So. Were you were you at the CrossFit Games the year that she got podium the first time? Yeah, yeah, I was there. What was that I was like? There. I was, uh, I was, it was very special, right? We didn't know what we were doing. She's, um, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't at the states for the first time because 
I was in the States as a, as a student an exchange student when I was 13, 14 years old, didn't mm -hmm. speak a word of English. Oops. <laughs> and then now we went back with the, at the time we were already at another gym in Budapest, but we went back with the owner of the gym, with the coach of the gym, uh, with Laura. My brother was there. I was there. So, sorry, my parents weren't there. They, they couldn't make the trip because uh, they paid for our tickets, essentially. Right? Parents yeah. Are, parents yeah. Are cool. <laughs> yeah, they're really cool. They're really cool. So it's a it's an expensive trip. So yes. the three of us went. And I was in there with Laura's her coach or supporter, whatever you want to call it. And it, it was amazing, right? There was no expectations on her. It was already amazing that we were there. Everything was an experience. You know, you, you walk through this athlete check-in and somebody hands you a pen that has CrossFit written on it and you take it and you're like, amazing. You yeah. know, the trip is already worth it. Like, <laughs> we've, seen, we've seen people there. We've always seen in videos before. People come up and uh, James Hobart, level one flow master, uh, multi-year CrossFit yeah. Games athlete and comes up and congratulates Laura and introduces himself. You know, we were starstruck and, and, and we were, you know, it's the... We were inside the beating heart of CrossFit. I always say it's like uh, like Christmas for CrossFitters, but it's it's everything and more that you hope for. So it was it was amazing, and she did so well. And there was there was nothing, you know. There was there, there was no. She could have gone. She should have done better, or she could have done something better. It was everything was just perfect at that time because it was everything was so new, and the experience was so. Uh, Yes. Yeah, yeah. a fairy tale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, I, exactly. I, watched, I obviously watched on YouTube. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I remember thinking, who is this girl? Yeah, She's yeah, incredible. Yeah, exactly. So you must have had the same, like, you must have felt so proud of Yeah, so, so proud, yeah. yeah. It was just an incredible experience. It was, yeah. I was really happy to see her back on the podium this year. Yeah, yeah. Because it's been a tough fight back, I'm sure, yeah. from, it was after, was it, after that, after the first time she was on the podium, she, the, the following two years, three years, it's yeah. been not so successful for her. And it must have been a lot of speculation about what's going on and how is she? And all the time you guys are keeping keeping a strong family unit. So congratulations and stuff. Thank you. You know, I can tell this much because there's a, there's a lot of speculations. It's really not nice place to say. Mm. Laura's going to visit in a couple of months and I'm sure she's going to be happy to jump on the podcast. But, but <clears throat> she was 17, 18, 18 years baby, old. Yeah. She was a young, young girl. And we didn't have any exposure to, um, or she didn't have, sorry, any exposure to attention before. Mm -hmm. My family had no experience in that. Nobody educated us or her. About how to what happens when you get famous overnight? You know this is yeah. this is blessing in disguise, right? No, that's not a curse to make. It's a curse. Yes, <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. Because because all of a sudden, you know, being this younger who goes to the gym, works out, has a couple of friends, uh, doesn't really socialize outside of the gym. Mm -hmm. There is there isn't. And then all of a sudden, the massive amount of attention, you know, it just falls on her. And then you sort of feel like in a, in a candy store and then you, you can grab whatever you want for free and you try to grab everything and you don't know what to grab. And you don't know that who's coming with the 
intent of actually um, helping you, who's coming just because you're famous, uh, who's uh, who wants a piece of you, who doesn't want to wear a piece of you, you know, and then it was just overwhelming. Yeah. And I think she learned throughout the way, and this is something that because we were all new and all green to the whole thing, no one knew what to say yes to, what not to say yes to, and what to sign, what not to sign, what to look in the contract and all that kind of stuff. Everything just seemed amazing all of a sudden. Because you think that everyone has the best intention uh, at heart, but mm. not everyone has. And I'm not saying that, I'm not trying to point fingers that because of this person, or this person, or that yeah. person, but it was very, very tricky to navigate. And of course, with the knowledge we have today, I could have gone back and say that, I think we should take a different kind of route to have a conversation. But at the time, we didn't know what to. Mm. So, so I think part of it, it, it was never her athletic potential that was in her way of making it back to the podium or, or hopefully one day win the CrossFit Games. But it was the politics of, and I don't even want to say just CrossFit, but it's, it's the fame component. It's, it's a very, very tricky thing. Business of sport. Yeah, yeah. Or anything. I imagine when you're, uh, you just scout a singer, right? All of a sudden, somebody becomes very famous. It's, it's very easy to just have one big hit, and then there are precedents to that, exactly. right, in life, and then just True. disappear. Yeah, exactly. So I think it's actually in her story. One of the biggest wins that she had is coming back. Coming back is very, very difficult. It's difficult to come and do what she did. It's also difficult to stay at the top, but also to come back, it takes a different kind of um, courage, resilience, and, and motivation, and, and willingness to change as well, right? Because it's not easy. And then not forgetting as well that she is just growing up, or she was just growing up. You know, as a young adult, she was many things uh, during that time was just, uh, she was just figuring out who she was and what's her values in life, what kind of person she wants to be, so, yeah. Spoken like a true big brother. No, I don't know. That. That's perfect. <laughs> no, I would like you to be my yeah, big brother, please, no, no. <laughs> Let's talk about you and what you're doing at the moment, because yeah. I know that you've got ambitions and goals as well that you want to see achieved. Yeah. And what are you doing? Yeah. What are you training for? I'm training to qualify to the CrossFit Games. Come yeah. on. That's, <laughs> Come on. It is, a, it is as simple as it gets. I mean, the goal is as simple as it gets. And then, yeah. Where are we at at the moment? How, what did you, what, what, what's, uh, I, I don't what's know. the training it's, day like currently? Right, if you, I don't want to compare, but uh, my sister's course is a little bit more linear to that. And then mine is a little bit more up and down and I might never get there. I don't know, but. Um, I'm not comparing you to your sister. No, no, no. It's. Uh, you're much taller than her. Yeah, it cannot be. It cannot, <laughs> it cannot be an excuse. Yeah, I am training. I'm training as hard as I can. There has been a lot of um, because there is no straight path in CrossFit, right? Uh, you walk into a gym, a coach there, an owner sees potential in you, and they start to coach you. And then you think that okay, now this person is going to take me all the way to the end. CrossFit is so young that I think for a long time. Maybe part of it because, and I must say my sister mainly because she has enormous talent, but she, she is a very talented person, not just in CrossFit, but in any kind of sports she puts her mind to. I might not carry that athleticism as she does. And then um, 
finding the right coach and the right environment didn't come for a while, mm. right? And then meeting John now, it's going on maybe three years now. I feel like I found the uh, the right environment for myself and the right people and the right coach and uh, everything that comes with it. And then even during that period, I had uh, the bicycle accident and all that kind of stuff. But things are trending in the right direction and, uh, and training is nice. Numbers and, uh, are going up. Numbers are going up. Numbers are going up. Going up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. But but it's the, also, uh, the other thing you've got, I've got to say is that you've dedicated a lot of last year to supporting your girlfriend, Gabby, to also get to the CrossFit yeah. Games. And I mean, I saw you throughout um, the semi-finals period, mm. very, very generously and selflessly being incredibly supportive and kind and caring, not just to Gabby, but to the whole yeah. bunch of people that were doing the qualifiers as well. But, so you're a nice guy, Christoph. I appreciate that. But I think anyone would do the same because no, at, the, at the end of the day, <laughs> we are, what John is trying to, what, what John and what we are trying to build here is more of a, a team approach to training, mm. right? When you when you see the major sports leagues, and not just team sports, but individual sports, athletes are training together. They don't necessarily do the the same training, but they train at the same time under the same coaches' tutelage, and then there's a team around them. And for many years within CrossFit, the the I know the best. What's well, sorry, so I know what the best is for me. I don't want anybody to see my numbers. Yeah. I can do my own thing, whatever. Worked for a little bit, but I think taking that example from major sports and also seeing where the sport trends, we are trying to build a team here that where athletes are supporting one another, where there's a support team around the athletes. Mm. And um, it can get tricky at times because everyone is a competitor and then we have a lot of female athletes and they all want to beat one another, but they also learn how to um, how to use one another to get better at their own craft, yeah. right? So going back to the semifinals, it was a very, well, of course I was uh, uh, supporting Gabby. She's my girlfriend, we're in a relationship. If she would be uh, whatever her profession would be, if that would be an important moment, I would try to be there for her, regardless if it's CrossFit or for other things but for athletes as well i think i made a commitment to john and to the program and to the team that i will help uh as much as i can and then i was just doing that you know it was it was my season at that moment that point in time was also over and then it was time to uh to put other people in front of my own needs because at that time yeah yeah well, i respect you for that i thought you were amazing that weekend that. <laughs> it's incredible. So, how are you focusing on yourself now? Because you need to change, switch mm. the focus onto Crystal, don't you? Yeah, it's it's tricky again because now Gabby finishing so well at the CrossFit Games, Jacqueline doing so well at the CrossFit Games. They have a lot of opportunities because of it in terms of off-season competitions. Mm -hmm. Rogue is the next uh, close, yeah. and there is Dubai as well, mm -hmm. and then. Uh, Gabby, Gabby would like to go to all these comps, yeah. right? Because these are invites only. I have other comps where I'm going just in uh, just in 12 days. Do? It's going to be Madrid, which is a big one. And then, but our calendar is very different, right? We would like to travel to different places. And then since we've been together with Gabby, I've been with her to the CrossFit Games every year and all her important events. 
and then now it's the balance of prioritizing myself as an athlete as well, but being there for one another when we have important events, and then it's having those we have to have we have to make compromises as well, and it comes a little bit of negotiating of okay, so which one are the most? Where do you want me? Where do you want me to be there, and where I mm. want her to be there? So. Training changed as well. Uh, we had more of a, I don't know what the right word is, more of a cutthroat attitude last year. Everyone was training together. We were doing the same programming. It was a lot of competing. It was very draining physically and emotionally as well. And then now we have taken a different approach of having a couple of training days together where we are having more like a competition simulation. So and we all do the same workout. Yeah, but most of the, most of the time we all have our own training program so we work out at the same time but doing different things mm -hmm. which uh, we believe is going to be more beneficial moving forward this year so those are very easy I, I i just focus on myself i put on my athlete shoes and then i go and then gabby does the same and jacqueline does the same we have team meetings quite often and then we try to make sure that uh, the big picture of the team is moving together and support each other as much as we can that's awesome yeah and do you do you wish for more guides to be in your team are you happy with the gender balance as it is yes and no um yes and no um i get a great push from gabby i get a great push from jacqueline you can it used to be five eight years ago that a guy had to be the girl in every kind of workout otherwise mm -hmm. you're not gonna make it the landscape changed a lot. The girls are amazing. They're kicking the guy's ass, right? And of course, if there's a workout where she, they're going to use a 40 kilo barbell, I'm going to use a 60 kilo yeah. barbell. But in terms of practice and getting ready for competitions, there's a great push, right? And then it's, it's not anymore that when there's a workout and the guy's doing uh, 10 more muscle ups, the girls will do seven muscle ups. They are beasts there. They will do more, you know. And, uh, or the same amount so from a training perspective i don't think i, I really need anyone here if the opportunity comes that, that maybe another guy wants to make the um and that's important right because it's easy to say that i want someone to come here or or it would be nice to have someone but uh what some of our athletes and then some other athletes who would maybe like to come here and just partake a little bit and uh would like to have a little bit of the uh the program and the Mallorca magic dust forget <laughs> that gabby and i made very big sacrifices we left our homes our families behind and we came here purely to train with john and the program and be a part of this mm. right so if there is someone regardless if it's a guy or a girl who's willing to make that sacrifice then they're obviously welcome and uh and, and would be a great addition to the team. But uh, so answering your questions is not really if I want another guy or another girl or anything like that, but it's it's uh, no one yet so far made the same sacrifice as us to coming here, moving our life here just solely to train with the program. Okay, this is my this is my last question for mm. now. And I hope that we get to the games and stuff. Yeah. I have so much more to ask you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's so nice hanging out with you. Um, but I wanted to ask you, how? What do you think the European athlete, male athletes, 
have to do to get on that podium at the CrossFit Games? What do they have to change? To be honest, I try not to think about the other European athletes. I think about what I have to do to get there. It's nice to see another European guy up there, but um, it doesn't make my journey any different. To answer to your question, I think it's very individual. Mm. Uh, comes down to the competitor. Well, then what do you have to do? That's a great question. I think I have to say injury-free, first and foremost. Um, I think for me at this moment, point in time is actually more mental than physical. And... Uh, Separating the athlete from the coach and for the supporter from the from the athlete mm. and, uh, and focusing on <sighs> this is something that is very foreign to me, but having a more selfish approach to training. Yeah, yeah. I give you permission to be selfish. Uh, thank you. It's not that easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Everybody does. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not easy. It doesn't come natural to me. So. Okay. Well, I hope next time we speak that you found Killer Horvat yeah, 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 exactly. inside because you certainly got it. Thank you. And thank you for the chat. It was very nice. It's really nice to talk to you. Thanks, Christoph, for the amazing chat. What a great bloke. Christoph's going to be competing soon at the Madrid CrossFit Challenger Series, so good luck there. And I'm going to be interviewing the organisers soon, so please look out for an interview with them. Until then, please like, subscribe and share the podcast and help to highlight European CrossFit athletes. Thanks for listening and bye-bye. Don't miss the next episode. Subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts. Europe is Coming is a programme production and hosted by Vicky McLeod.